What does student feedback look like in your school? If, like me, you sometimes struggle to find a balance between accountability and formative assessment, or between written and verbal feedback, stick around as this episode is for you. Hey everyone, it's Shane Leaning and welcome back to Global Ed Leaders, a podcast about education across countries and cultures. I'm an organisational coach and in this show I learn with the teachers, leaders and innovators making a difference in international schools around the world. My guest today is Nihad Chehich, former teacher and edtech enthusiast. He's the founder and CEO of Vibble, a digital tool to help teachers give faster, evidenced and more meaningful feedback in the classroom. Nihad started off by giving an overview of the power of verbal feedback. Let's jump in. Looking at the the evidence that I've looked at around the impact of verbal feedback compared to written feedback, it's quite close in terms of the impact that, that you can have. And the reason for that is when you look at studies into feedback more generally, the findings are always very, very variable. Mm. And that's because feedback is such a nuanced and complex part of teaching and learning. It's essentially an extension of what you're doing within the classroom. So um, whenever you're giving feedback to students, the relationships that you have with those students are kind of entwined within that feedback. The teaching and learning that you've done prior is impacting the impact of that feedback that you're giving. And for that reason, research on feedback is always very nuanced and very variable. But what the research tends to say is that feedback is generally effective at improving learning. And when you look at the work of the Education Endowment Foundation, who have done lots of different meta-analysis on, on feedback. They found that on average, verbal feedback adds an additional seven months of learning, whereas written marking adds an additional five months on, of learning. And quite rightly, they don't suggest that that means that all schools should now just do verbal feedback Yes, because there's a lot of nuance there. And actually the way that you give feedback is almost more important than the mode. From my perspective, verbal feedback is obviously quicker than written marking. You can speak about seven times faster than you can write. And if it's faster and generally the research shows that it's probably a little bit better or around the same as written marking, then for me, it's an, it's a no brainer to give verbal feedback more. And one of the areas which I think verbal feedback has an edge on written marking other than legibility, because obviously if you write feedback like me, then you can't read it in the first place anyway is around tone of voice. So when you give verbal feedback, you have the tone of voice within that that piece of information. And that can make a big difference, I believe, in how a student relates to that feedback. And there's been some really interesting studies around trust and, and how that impacts learning from feedback. And I think that's where verbal feedback has an edge over written marking. Um, so it's speed, tone of voice, and also it's just just easier to do. I hadn't thought about the tone of voice aspect of it. So yeah, having seen the research, we know verbal feedbacks can be powerful. And you said, yeah, it can add an extra, maybe maybe two months more powerful than, than written. And we know it's faster, but the idea that you're getting more, the tone within the feedback maybe gives more information than, than writing itself. Totally. I mean, if you think of when you see something written down, you're internalizing that feedback through your own internal voice. And, you know, if you're an insecure 15-year-old and you're given critical feedback that's written, how is that going to land? Are you going to think, I'm rubbish at this, I can't do this? Or are you going to think, oh, my teacher 
thinks I can be better by doing these things. But where you hear tone of voice, if that tone of voice is supportive alongside that that feedback, then that gives that extra bit of reassurance. You know, you see this kind of narrative play out in romantic comedies all day long, don't you? With uh, with conversations via text message and the the leading roles uh, not able to understand what the other person means, and it's the same with with any type of written communication. There is, uh, it's harder to discern what the person is is thinking because you're having to do some level of translation to understand what tone of voice their their head is at when you're reading that that comment. And verbal feedback just takes that insecurity away. I guess, especially given written feedback is often quite short as well. It's it's kind of reminding me of Twitter, which I'm on quite a lot. It's the same thing. It's just full of misinterpretation because it's text-based yeah. and it's all short form. So it's open up to, to so much interpretation. That's really fascinating. So in terms of that verbal feedback, where does your, um, your program, um, Vibble, what's that approach to verbal feedback and how does that fit into this area? So what we've created is we've built a tool that allows teachers to very quickly record verbal feedback in a no-nonsense, quick and easy way that they can then send to send to their students. And I did a lot of research speaking to head teachers and schools all over the all over the world when we were building Vibble. And I came across lots of teachers who were looking for ways or trying to record verbal feedback and were using like a record feature on their phone and then saving it um, on on their computer and then s- sending that to students. And of course, there are some really good apps out there where you can record verbal feedback directly on work that's submitted, you know, online. And that's fairly straightforward to do. Uh, but I think th- what l- many people are struggling with is how do you give verbal feedback that's evidenced and recorded when you're marking books in a typical way? So you've got work that's been done on an exercise book and the standard thing to do there is to give written marking or to do no marking and give verbal feedback in the classroom. And I saw Vibble as kind of like a middle pathway where you can give feedback on work that's been done in that kind of fashion. It can be evidence so that you can use it for continuous CPD and it can be collected and distributed to students in a really quick and easy way. So using the app, teachers literally just snap student work using their phone or a tablet. They just speak into their phone, record that feedback, and then they just click a button and it sends it automatically to that student. And then they can access it and they can respond back and you can have learning conversations or recursive feedback in in that way as well. Am I hearing this right? It's almost closed the gap that many teachers say there's not enough time during the lesson to give verbal feedback well to, to many students. And that's why the many argue for written feedback is you know, is, is easier to do. What you're doing is you're giving a third option, which is delayed verbal feedback, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of our users will use it in that way. Um, also, we have some users who are using it to capture verbal feedback conversations that they're giving to the students during the lesson as well, partly because they might want evidence of that so that they can go back and, and listen back to the feedback that they're giving. Or it might be so that students have evidence of it as well so that if they're revising they can go back and listen to the feedback that that you've been giving to them over the course of the year and they have a they have a um a copy of that feedback that they can go back to because obviously when you give verbal feedback in the classroom it's quick it's immediate which is the beauty of it but also it's it's it just disappears and it's gone and it can be quite difficult to see 
the impact of that. And I think both teachers and students really like to be able to see the impact of, of feedback. And I, I, I hope that we can help them with that with Bibble. So am I right in thinking, do the students have their own account that they log into? Is that how this works? They have a personal account or is it all visible to the whole class? Yes, they have their own personal account. It's all secure for them. And they would receive a notification when new feedback is sent to them from the teacher. They would log in and they'll be able to view that feedback, an image of it. If the teacher has taken an image, you don't always have to. Um, So they can look at their work. And it means you can also do strategies where you could have an image of their work and then alongside it you could have a model answer for instance and then you can give really good quality feedback where you're contextualizing the feedback that you're giving for the students they can see very clearly where uh, they can improve uh, their writing as an example I'm going to use writing because I was an English teacher before so if you were to give that kind of example the student can then contextualize that feedback and it allows you to ask kinds of questions that hope people are giving when they're giving feedback rather than just you know saying you know you you should have put a comma there or this needs to be improved uh, that kind of maintenance feedback mm. giving feedback where you're actually asking the student you know hard questions so that they have to think about how they can improve their work alongside some kind of contextualization i think vibble enables teachers to give that really high quality type of feedback and hopefully if teachers are giving that kind of high quality feedback then they can just do it less often which is my my hope. I think that sounds sounds fantastic. It sounds like it really makes sense to me. I'm wondering, Nihad, about school leaders that you've worked with. Have any, you must have experienced some anxiety from school leaders who are moving their approach because although, you know, there's still many schools, you know, who I work with or I've seen who are still obsessed with written feedback and needing it to be, you know, evidenced in, in books. Are there... Have you experienced that kind of anxiety? Do you have those kind of conversations with school leaders? Uh, yeah, definitely. A little bit. I would say generally they quite like the idea of of what we're doing because it's, I guess it's kind of a, a win-win for them, right? They, they're getting evidence of of all the feedback that's being given and their teachers are not having to, to mark everything, which is extremely time-consuming. Yeah. We have a kind of epidemic at the moment of teachers leaving the profession because of workload. Marking is one of the biggest causes of that. And head teachers are acutely aware of that. So, you know, if they were to bring Vibble in and it was to even just stop one maths teacher from leaving the school, then it would be an incredible investment on behalf of the, of the school. Um, so they generally see the positives from that, that point of view, but there is certainly trepidation as well not so much around the evidence being in books. Some schools feel like that, but I think the biggest trepidation is just change. You know, how are teachers going to get used to it? How are they going to use it? Because it's it's a it's a completely different way of doing things. And schools have had so much change through COVID yeah. that there's just generally a fatigue, I think, around it. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest barrier to, to get over is just getting their head around how to how to do it. And once they once they see it, then I think generally the the reaction is really positive. That makes a lot of sense to me. To, you know, leaders are tired at the minute, and you're definitely that you know change fatigue or whatever you call it. Are there ways that you've seen over time where leaders have overcome that challenge? Is is for example, do you when you're launching these kind of things, do you suggest them to start 
smaller with a smaller group or you know how do you how do you get past that that worry yeah that's that's normally what i do is to suggest some kind of pilot with a group or one school because often i'm speaking to heads of teaching and learning across a group of schools and i mean i just had a conversation yesterday with one um and they often look to do a pilot in one or two schools um i just need to support that as much as i can and and provide the the support and education to get the ball rolling and then if it works well then that's when it then gets rolled out into into more schools but the the biggest challenge i think is just changing behaviors one of the things that we were mindful of when we built vibble is to build it in a way that was similar to the way in which teachers mark in that it's very difficult to change a behavior where someone's been doing something for two decades, perhaps you might have teachers who've been teaching for 20 years and they've been marking books for 20 years and suddenly say, right, you're going to give verbal feedback in the classroom now and no longer mark. It's difficult, even if they can see the logic behind the decision, even if they feel like they're going to have workload taken off their plate, there's always going to be that guilt that they're not doing as much work as they used to do for the students, um, that their routines are changed. So for using Vibble, a lot of the process of using it is the same as marking. You still have the books in front of you. You take the photo, you speak into your phone instead of writing. So the process is similar. It's just a lot faster. That familiarity is so key, isn't it? Um, and, and I know you talk a lot about with Vibble about promoting collaboration between teachers or you know, and really fostering continuous professional development. Would you be able to talk a little bit to that? Because I think teachers are key and teacher buy-in and understanding is key to successfully changing your systems. Yeah. So one of the functionalities that we've got in the platform is, is the ability to coach other teachers. Um, and I think this is really important. I'm a big fan of, of Jim Knight and his instructional coaching. Uh, me too. Yeah. And um, I, I think coaching is, is really impactful if it's done well. And within the platform, you have the ability to kind of pair teachers together or, or have a group or a team. And the coach can, can give feedback on the teacher's feedback. And it pro- just promotes that kind of continuous learning. And this is the th- one of the, the main features of Vibble, which I think is really important, is that evidence. So there's more and more schools moving away from written marking towards verbal feedback in the classroom. And lots of schools are, are asking their teachers to write VF in their books, which is just completely pointless in my opinion. It's just tracking whether or not someone has done something. Yeah, You know, you could easily just lie and just write VF in You know, there's no real, it's like false accountability, um, just creating workload for workload's sake. So the important thing to track is actually not whether feedback's been given. It, in my view, it's, is that feedback having an impact? Are students actually using it? Are they acting on it? And that's what we're trying to foster with, with Vibble through the analytics that we provide and also through that coaching um, structure to enable that deeper approach to giving feedback in a school rather than seeing it as just something that you do, you know, as a routine that you just have to do in a school, like a have to ha- have to do or a non-negotiable or whatever. Yeah. Seeing it as actually right. This is a, this is a really integral extra strategy that we can use to improve learning and let's think deeply about it. How are we gonna, how are we gonna do it? Um, should could we use Vibble in these departments to improve the use of feedback and to share best practice? Um, and and that's the kind of conversation that I'd like uh, that I like to have with with school leaders and heads of teaching and learning. 
It's really exciting to hear of a tool that that allows an instructional coach or someone doing lesson observations to go broader than just what they're seeing in the lesson because we know when we're looking at different ways to assess how learning has happened, you, you have to look at different evidences. Yet so often it's based on just watching, you know, watching what happens in the classroom and maybe not looking looking afterwards. I think that's so useful, the idea that you could get, if you wanted to improve your feedback mechanisms, you could get uh, a coach in, work with someone on the school who can listen into your feedback and give you some strategies to improve the quality of the work you do. I think that's really uh, a, a powerful extra tool in the toolkit of an instructional coach. That I, that hadn't occurred to me before. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, how can I use this in my practice now with the, the, the teachers <laughs> I coach? I mean, it kind of happens already, right, with book scrutinies to an extent. You know, you have departmental book scrutinies and you look through what's going on. But obviously that only works with written marking. If a school pivots towards verbal feedback in the classroom, there's just no evidence at all to to do things like that and to support that continuous professional development. So that's where we see ourselves as kind of like a middle middle pathway where you have that that speed and the um, the effectiveness of verbal feedback, but also the evidence that allows you to do this kind of school-wide or trust-wide analysis and 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 coaching and mentoring at, at scale. Um, the other the other thing which I think the coaching is really useful for is just early career teachers. So when you've got new teachers coming into the classroom, it just allows um, their mentors to give them that kind of that, that deeper feedback around um, their teaching and learning. Because as I said before, feedback is just an extension of teaching and learning. In my view, it's just an echo to what has come previously. So hopefully if you get the, the first bits right, then the echo is, will kind of be all right as well. But I think, still think it, it uh, needs the dignity to have that focus on it in the same way as, as traditional teaching and learning. Mm, I like the idea of just giving it the dignity that it, des- that it deserves and which we know it, it needs. In fact, if I can loop back to students for a moment, and I'd like to come back to whole school leadership in a second, because I'm just thinking of the applications here. Now, at the minute, we've described a lot of kind of one-to-one feedback of students, but a lot of learning in class happens with group work and things like that. It does, does Vibble allow you to kind of key in feedback into project work and group work scenarios? Yeah, so within, on your phone, if you were to use it, um, you'd click on a class and then you, there's a button which says group. You click that and then you can just select whichever members of the class that you want to send feedback to. So it could, say you had 30 students in your class, you could choose 10 of them and send feedback to 10, or you could choose three, or you could choose all 30, and then you can use it however you want. You just take a photo or you don't, record feedback, and then you click send, and it sends it to all those people straight away. And that means that you can realistically, if you were giving, if you're doing Dylan Williams style feedback where you know, you're doing detective work feedback where you, you were saying, look, there's three things wrong with your work. Tell me what they are. But you were sending that to a whole class. You could realistically send that piece of feedback in 10 seconds to the whole class and you'd be prompting the students to respond. And that's a nice thing because there's that loop. You have that loop with the students so that once you've given that feedback to the students, hopefully you've got a culture where you're prompting students to respond um, through a call to action potentially at the end of that feedback so they're, they're they're responding and you're having a conversation with them and if you're giving that type of feedback which is less kind of maintenance feedback and more feedback that prompts hard thinking then 
there's no reason why you can't kick to it very, very quickly with Vibble and for a whole group. The system is purely about feedback. It's not about end grades or final assessment. It's about formative feedback along the way. Is that right? Yeah, precisely. So, I mean, I sometimes get asked this question about, you know, can you add like an assessment tracker in there or something like that? And my answer is there's already some really good assessment trackers out there. Hopefully, as we scale over time, I'd like to partner with other ones that are already doing that rather than try and reinvent the wheel and, and create something that's that other companies are doing really well. I think um, the focus for us is to just really get feedback nailed and make sure that when school leaders are thinking about how we're going to change our feedback policy, they just think, well, let's just bring in Vibble because that can do it all. And that's that's where our focus is on. It's really exciting that I think you've got this clear, clear guiding focus of improving feedback and it seems to be doing well. You've, you're being used in 17 countries now, right? Across the world. Out of interest, the audience of this podcast is international school leaders. So are there any trends or patterns you've noticed when it's being used in different systems around the world? Are there any, is there any advice you'd give to international school leaders specifically? I think it's, I mean, it's still early, early stages for us to see kind of big macro patterns. But I think one of the things which was obvious about working with international schools is you have the complexity of lots of changing students because students come in and enroll at different times of the year. And one of the things that we've built in is an MIS integration, which allows you to kind of automatically auto-enroll students into it or remove students, which I think is really important for more important for international schools than it is potentially for schools in the UK where you've got a more static population. And then the other key element with um, international schools is although English is the medium of instruction, you typically have a large, much larger proportion of EAL students than the average in the UK. Obviously, you've got some inner city schools in the UK where you have very, very high EAL. But on the whole, on an average, if we're speaking on macro levels, the international schools uh, sector has got a greater proportion of EAL students. And that's where I think Vibble can be really helpful because obviously the hardest part of learning a language is speaking, listening. And if you're giving those students more exposure to that challenging part of learning, then hopefully it will improve their capability to be able to listen and speak within a, le- within a lesson environment because they have to cope with that when they, when they come into that uh, that environment where English is the medium of instruction. Um, so kind of maintaining that that constant challenge um, will hopefully help them to uh, acclimate quicker, in, in, in my view. And I guess the teacher can more quickly and efficiently grade their language. <clears throat> they know the students in front of them, so they can go, they can adapt the way they give their verbal feedback a lot quicker, um, potentially a bit easier than than having to think about how they give their feedback in writing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So so yeah, I think there are there are lots of unique benefits for for international schools particularly. I mean, I've got soft spot for international schools because I used to work primarily with international schools when uh, when I worked at Durham Uni and um I think there's lots and lots of uh, applications for uh, IB for um A level for IGCSE um where you can use Vibble to great effect. Brilliant. Thanks, Nihad.
thinking big now. So you've you've been working in this area for a while. It's your passion. Where do you see the future of feedback in education is heading? And things are changing fast with tech and education. So it would be interesting to get your thoughts on how school leaders might prepare for new trends or maybe where tools like Bibble might play a part in this landscape. Yeah, um, I think the future will be AI, to be honest, with uh, with feedback. So the way language learning models are going at the moment, I mean, ChatGPT4 has got an IQ of around 160, so it's really smarter than 90, 95% of the human population. And the technology is enhancing at such a rate that it'll be a matter of time before uh, where AI will be able to to kind of give feedback in a really emotive way. Now, I think that um, an effective way, but I think we're quite a way off of that. And I think feedback's probably the last thing that will get affected. There's also the chance of a lethal mutation with using AI for, for feedback in that feedback is not just about feedback. It's also about learning. It's, it's a cycle. So when you, when you read through students' work and then you give feedback, you're also improving your understanding of their work mm-hmm. that allows you to then plan the next lesson. And I would think that if you were going to replace that cycle with AI feedback, then you're also removing the motivation and the desire to have to read. You know, we could be in a situation where the AI is marking the work and giving you like an overview, like a report, like a manager would get on where everyone is at. So you can quickly glance through and see, but you're not getting that deep understanding of, of where people are at. So I, I don't think that human-led feedback will be replaced completely, certainly not in the short to medium term, whilst we still have people teaching. You know, whilst you've got people teaching, you need to be doing the full cycle of the, the role to be understanding what's going on. And for that reason, feedback will remain as it is longer than probably other areas of teaching and learning, which will get impacted more quickly, like planning. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And other than aside from even the practicalities of why a teacher is best placed with feedback, I think there's a real argument for the importance of connection between humans when you're discussing things, which, because when we're, when we're feeding back to children, this is a vulnerable place, you know, to be as the student, as the child or or anyone receiving feedback. So the idea that it's automated by AI doesn't quite sit right in how relationships and how communication works human to human. And I still think there's a really powerful, effective place for an emotional connection between teacher and student or between colleague to colleague to provide feedback in that trusting, safe, but emotionally resonant environment. Yeah, I mean, there's there's already companies building AI tools that are essentially like a teacher that will teach a full... So, you know, if you were homeschooling, you could pay for... A, uh, to be taught by one of these AIs and it would build that relationship with the student and, and everything in the same way that a teacher would. But I, I just don't see that mass shift happening, certainly not in the, sh- in the short to medium term because we need teachers in society because uh, as well as learning and the relationship with students, I mean, if any politician that, that went on a podium and said, we're going to remove teachers and we're going to, replace them with AI would be a political suicide and it would also affect the economy um, significantly because school is not just about learning, it's also childcare to allow adults to go out and work in the economy. So there's, there's so many multifaceted 
things that would have to shift. Although AI could probably do it, it doesn't mean it, it needs to be done. So a good analogy here is Beyond Meat, the vegan food company yep. who have now been, their shares have been, been dropping more recently. They uh, made a burger that could bleed. So when you, when you cook it, it, it bleeds. And, you know, just because you can do something doesn't mean it should be done. You know, it, it, it was interesting that they could do it, but it's probably not the most appetizing thing to, to, to look at. So um, it's the same with AI. You know, it could be, we could be in a position where the AI can actually give even better feedback than humans and react more, more quickly as well. But that still doesn't mean that it, it should be done in all elements because there's, there's a full cycle of that process which, which needs to happen when you're teaching in, in, in a school. Well, thanks for that, Nihad. The, the bleeding veggie burger analogy will stick in my head now when I'm thinking about the future. But I think, you know, there's really interesting reflections there. Would you be able to offer some actionable advice for listeners who are thinking, okay, I'm interested, I want to make feedback more effective through verbal feedback in some way in my school. Do you have any advice for international school leaders looking to make that leap in their school? Where do they, where do they start? I think I'm going to refer to Dylan William here because I'm a big fan of his and he's far more eminent than I am on, in terms of uh, research on feedback. But in his words, you know, the most important thing with feedback is that it needs to be actionable. All feedback should be actionable. And I think to keep it at its core, that's the simplest thing to implement is just making sure that when you're giving feedback, it's actionable. There's something that students can do from it. And if you just make that one change, it would remove the whole monotony of, of pointless feedback. Because every time you give feedback, it has an impact. And that impact can even be negative. You think of, you know, you're a student and the feedback that you get for your whole childhood has just been stuff that is of no value to you. It's only natural you're going to treat that feedback like we as adults treat spam email. We have a way of filtering out things that isn't useful for us. So if all the feedback you're getting is stuff that you already know or it's not useful for you as a learner, it's only natural that you'll, you'll just phase that out of your brain and you'll probably phase out what that teacher's saying in the lesson as well because you'll associate that relationship. Same way that you associate spam emails with a company that you're not interested in, in looking at. So if every feedback is actionable and is adding value for the learner, that's the key. Niad has highlighted some important ideas about improving feedback in our schools. By making feedback more verbal and actionable, teachers can make it faster and more impactful for their students. I really like that tools like Vibble can also help foster continuous learning amongst our teachers. And while technology will continue to advance, the human connection between teacher and student will remain vital for feedback to fulfill its role in supporting learning. Global Ed Leaders is hosted and produced by me, Shane Leaning, with original music by Guillermo Silva. If you like this show, you'll love my newsletter with reflections on the latest episodes and leadership advice. And you can subscribe on my website at shaneleaning.com. And if you are online, I'd love to hear from you. So reach out to me on Twitter using my handle at LeaningShane or LinkedIn using the links in the show notes. But if we don't manage to speak before, 
As always, I'll see you here next week.